Church say amen. amen. Sound like some folks showed up this morning to come worship. If, if you're faking, just keep on faking. Just keep on faking. Just let, let, me, let me go on and believe that you're for real because you sound good this morning. I hope and pray that you're happy to be here in the house of the Lord. God chose once again as he picked up his paintbrush and his collection of utensils to paint another picture called life. He, he included you and I in that masterpiece because so many laid down last night who are not included in it today. So that's why I'm grateful. I'm thankful of the fact that, you know what? I got some favor. I got some favor. Now, he may not have waken me up for the same reason he did for you. But he woke me up. <laughs> and, and whatever reason, you know what? We need to take care of business and do whatever we need to do. So, but see, some of us, he woke us up to say, get it right before it's too late. Some of us, he woke us up and said, hey, keep on fighting like a hard fighting soldier. Some of us, he woke up to say, keep on being a great encourager the way you've been doing it. I don't know what reason God woke you up, but I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful he woke me up. I know it wasn't an alarm clock. It wasn't a noise outside. It wasn't a chirping of an alarm system or anything else. It was God. It was God. And he thought so much to include you and I in this picture called life. Again, on this beautiful day of his creation. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, this morning, I'm, I'm going to have to give you a, a, a little disclaimer. Because some of the pictures you may find a little. What, what's, what's the word? Graphic. But it's real. It's real. For the simple fact, Hebrew 927 said it is appointed unto man. What? Wants to die. All of us have to go this way, folks. All of us have to go this way. And so uh, maybe I can help you out. Maybe you're sitting there, your stomach growling, and you're thinking about what you're going to eat. I could, I could cause you to help you lose a few pounds today. <laughs> but we want to talk about this morning after you die. And I've been, it's been on my heart. For several weeks now, and I said, you know, I've been trying to think of how can I incorporate teaching about being an organ donor into preaching without taking anything away from the preaching and the substance of the gospel. <laughs> but let me tell you what I have found out. I, I kind of already knew, but... After doing more extensive research, I, I, it just blew my mind of how many people, black people in particular, Amen. are just under the belief of taboo Amen. when it comes to donating organs. Amen. And I'm not talking about being a living donor, giving an organ. I'm talking about even after you're dead. I can remember 
first time I met Sister Georgia. And uh, we were talking, and she found out I rode a motorcycle. She said, oh, you're an organ donor. <laughs> and, I, and I looked at her, I said, what? Then I thought about it and laughed. She said, oh, yeah, that's what we call people ride motorcycles, organ donors. <laughs> but, uh, but even though I, I've been an organ donor for, for years, for years, for years, for years, and here I am now on the transplant list waiting to receive one. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to think now all of a sudden this is such a big deal to him, big deal. I've been on the bone marrow uh, donor list forever. I've always believed that, hey, man, if, if it's some way I can help somebody receive life, you know what? Why not? Amen. Why not? But what I want to talk about this morning briefly is about, I'm going to touch on just being a living donor for a little bit, but mainly, especially after you die. Because you, I've heard some, Kyrie, I've heard some, some stuff that just shouldn't be coming out of Christians' mouth. Can I say this up front? Man, when you're dead, you're dead. Can I say that again? When you're dead, you're dead. I'm going to show you several pictures, and I just want you to digest these pictures before we move forward. Now, after looking at those pictures, what do you come up with as far as what happens to the body after you die? It decomposes, right? Everything just rots away, right? Well, why is it when you, you talk to some people and you inquire to them about being uh, an organ donor after they die, they said, well, no, I, 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 I think I want to keep my eyes. I want to keep, I want to keep my liver. I want to keep, you know, these, these organs. For what? <laughs> Only for them to do what? Decompose, right? 
What, what are you going to use these organs for after you die? Huh? Not a thing. Not a thing. So why are so many people under this taboo way of thinking? Well, I don't, I don't want them to be taking nothing out of me when I'm dead. How would you know? When you're dead, you're dead. We're going to go through what happens after you die. Once you've been pronounced dead by the physician, at the moment of death, all of the muscles in the body relax, a state called primary flaccidity. I hope I pronounced that right. Eyelids lose their tension. The pupils dilate. The jaw might fall open. And the body's joints and limbs are flexible. With the loss of tension in the muscles, the skin will sag, which can cause prominent joints and bones in the body. Did I get that right? Which can cause... Get down here where I can see which can cause, yeah, prominent joints and bones in the body, such as the jaw or hips, to become uh, pronounced. As muscles relax, uh, splinter tone diminishes, and urine and feces will pass. It's a messy, it's a messy sight, literally. Within minutes of the heart stopping, a process called polar mortis causes the body to grow pale as blood drains from the smaller veins in the skin. This process may be more visible in those with light skin rather than darker skin. The human heart beats more than 2.5 billion times during the average human lifespan, circulating about 5.6 liters or six quarts of blood through the circulatory system. At the same time, the body begins to cool from its normal temperature of 37 Celsius, or 98.6 Fahrenheit, until reaching the ambient temperature around it, known as algor mortis, or the death chill. The deceased and body temperature follows a somewhat linear progression 1.5 degrees per hour. I don't know about you, but I, I've been there when someone died and felt their body temperature just cool down. Just cool down. It's a chilling, chilling feeling. It's a chilling feeling. At hours two to six, because the heart no longer pumps blood, gravity begins to pull it to the areas of the body closest to the ground, pooling, a process called livor mortis. If the body remains undisturbed long enough, several hours, the, body, the parts of the body nearest the ground can develop a reddish purple discoloration resembling a bruise. 
from the accumulating blood. Embalmers sometimes refer to this as the post-mortem stain. Beginning approximately in the third hour after death, chemical changes within the body cells cause all of the muscles to begin stiffening, known as rigor mortis. We're not talking about the song Cameo Man. <laughs> Some of y'all get that right. <laughs> with rigor mortis, the first muscles affected will be the eyelids, jaw, and neck. Over the next several hours, rigor mortis will spread into the face and down through the chest, abdomen, arms, and legs until it finally reaches the fingers and toes. What, have, what can you gather from what we've read so far? What happens to the body? It starts, say it again, sister. It deteriorates. So, why be selfish? That, that's the heart of my lesson this morning. Why be selfish? Why be selfish about withholding something you can give life and help life and you don't benefit from it anymore anyway? And I'm going to get to the spiritual part of it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get to the spiritual part because some of us are so wrapped up into this taboo thinking. It's been passed down and we've heard these conversations Child, I don't want to get up at the judgment and have no eyes. Child, I don't want to get up at the judgment and have no kidneys. I don't want to get up at the judgment. Somebody took my heart out. <laughs> Folks, do you understand that judgment isn't about flesh and blood? Amen. Do you understand this transformation that we have to make and this journey from earth to heaven is going to be a spiritual journey. Amen. Flesh and blood cannot enter into heaven, folks. Hour 7 to 12, maximum muscle stiffness throughout the body occurs after roughly 12 hours due to rigor mortis. Although this will be affected by the descendant's age, physical condition, gender, the air temperature, and other factors. At this point, the limbs of the deceased are difficult to move or manipulate. The knees and elbows will be slightly flexed, and fingers or toes can appear usually crooked. After 12 hours and beyond, after reaching a state of maximum rigor mortis, the muscles will begin to loosen due to the continued chemical changes within the cells and internal tissue decay. There it is. The body is fading away. It's fading away. And all of those good organs, all of that good tissue, you know what? You could have, you could have donated to give somebody eyesight. You could have donated a kidney, a bone, a liver, your heart. Oh man, there are so many parts of the body that can be donated to help give life and help people improve their uh, lifestyle, quality of living. But here we are worrying about, am I going to get up at the resurrection with no eyes? 
And we're supposed to be spiritually educated people. Mm. During secondary flaccidity, the skin will begin to straighten, creating the illusion that hair and nails are growing. Rigor mortis will then dissipate in the opposite direction from the fingers and toes to the face over a period up to 48 hours. That's what happens, folks, when this body, this shell, this housing unit for our spirit and soul. Because people, what are we? Who are we? The true identity of who we are it's not this shell. It's the spirit that dwells within it. That's who we are. This shell is going to return back to the dust. You've been to funerals at the end? Ashes to ashes? Dust to dust. Guess what? It's being returned back unto where it is from. How was man created? From the dust. Am I right? And that's where we're going to return back to. Why be selfish? I know this ain't no amen hallelujah sermon. But I'm just being real with you. Why be selfish? When there are so many in need. I ran an article in the bulletin a couple of Sundays ago of the, the, the thousands of people who are on the waiting list for organ transplant. And the majority of those people, guess what race they are? They have complexions like you and I. And who are the research from the Mayo Clinic has proven, guess who are the most less likely donors? We are. We need donations more than anybody, but we are the least to step up to be a donor. Now what's wrong with that bitch? But I, I don't want it, I don't want it, it's kind of, kind of stuff. I'm talking to my son, and, and, and I forgot to print it off. All these myths about, well, they, they, I might not be dead, and they might start taking my orders. <laughs> They're not going to try to resuscitate me and, and uh, revive me because they want my orders. All kind of myths people have put out there, and people... Just buy into anything. Amen. Come on, folks. We got to educate ourselves better than that. When you're dead, yeah. you're dead. As the body without the spirit is what? Dead. dead. That's what the Bible says. Let's, let's go to the Bible. Let's talk spiritual. Let's talk spiritual. 1 Corinthians 16. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15. 
verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall all be what? Change. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised. How? Incorruptible. See, we're living in a corruptible state now. We're living in a corruptible state because this, 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 this flesh, I don't care how much you work out. I don't care how fit, how fine, how toned, how tight you may be up here, back here, and anywhere else. It ain't going to always be that way. A change is coming. The Bible says, shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be, here we go again, changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Amen. Folks, we've moved on from flesh and blood. This is a spiritual thing now. And, and honestly and truly, that's the, that's the walk. That's the life we're supposed to be living even on this side of life. We should be of the spiritual state of mind of realizing and understanding, man, this is just a temporary housing unit. Man born of a woman or but what? A few days and full of what? Full of trouble. Ecclesiastes outlines and says it's a time and season for everything. And you know what? And as time moves on, guess what? Things begin to occur to this body. You know, the eyes get dim. The teeth start breaking off and falling out. And the hearing becomes dull. And it's called getting old. That's the design not to be here forever. We got to move on to thinking spiritual, folks. But listen, listen to what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says. For, for, for you who one day look forward to going to heaven. See, some folks don't look forward to going to heaven. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Yes. Folks, it's something far greater to look forward to than to be worrying about your eyes your retina and your, 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 your kidneys, your liver and all that. Folks, it ain't going into heaven. Amen. 
Let me ask you this. Now, I've never seen it in all the funerals I've been to in my lifetime. I've never been to a funeral and the person's eyes was open. Maybe you have. I haven't. Every funeral, funeral I've ever attended, the eyes are closed. Now, I'm told they are sewn clothes. I don't know. All I know, they're clothes. So, if, if, the, if the eyes are closed at the funeral, what are you worrying about somebody not seeing? We know the dead person ain't worried about it. So, why is it you won't donate the tissue to help get somebody else out? See, I'm not just harping on kidney. I'm talking about being an organ donor for whatever across the board. Because there are people who need help. And, and you're blessed right now that you don't. But you know what? The table can turn. It can turn. You know, I have people coming up to me all the time. They say, you don't look sick. I say, well, you ain't got to be sick to die. Well, to just look at you, look like you are all right there. I say, yeah, that's what a lot of people think right before they drop dead. Amen. <laughs> I said, but trust me. Trust me. I don't feel as great as I used to. Amen. But I'm grateful and I'm thankful. Amen. We got to think spiritual about this, folks. We got to stop allowing these old wise fables and this taboo talking. To cause us to miss what's really important in this walk of a Christian. Man, what happened? Folks, folks arguing about cremation. Oh, I don't want nobody to burn me and... and you won't know. Do we understand? I'm going to say this. I'm going to bring this to a close. Do we understand who we are? What makes us who we are? Folks. God has given us a spirit. When we die, the spirit returns back unto God. But we also have a soul. It is not carnal. It is not flesh. It's spiritual. But the thing about this soul, it has a way of remembering and recalling and everything. We, sing, we used to sing a song back in the day where the soul of man never died. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way. Where the soul of man never died. Let me tell you, the soul has to spend eternity somewhere. It's going to spend eternity somewhere. Now, what the soul doesn't possess and we so concerned about how we're going to look when we're dead and how we're going to look when we get up from the resurrection all that stuff. The, the soul ain't, it ain't concerning your eyes, your flesh. It's a spiritual thing, folks. But most importantly, 
your soul will be able to feel. Why is that so important? Because if you don't make it to heaven, you will end up in hell's fire. And there you're going to be punished forever. Well, if you don't have any feelings, what difference would it make? Well, see, that's why you're going to be able to feel. And that's why it would be so excruciating and so terrible. Because not only will you be able to feel, you're going to be able to recall. I remember when I had a chance to obey the gospel. And I did. I remember when I had the opportunity to do right. I remember when those church folks used to call me and hound me, telling me, telling me, trying to encourage me to live right, straighten up, do the right thing. And I just blew them off. Now just imagine an eternity in hell's fire. Being able to remember and recall what you should have done. The rich man, he tried. He wished he could have done it over again. He said, well, if you won't allow me to go back. Sin Lazarus. Oh no. They have Moses and the prophets. If they won't hear him, you know what? What makes you think they're going to believe somebody came from the dead? Folks, this is all we have. This is all we have. And I'm just saying this morning, will you consider educating yourself? Will you consider educating yourself? We have the internet now. You can Google. If you don't believe me, Google the Mayo Clinic. Google uh, Emory University. Google some of the other transplants. They got information laid out to give you answers to any question you have. But folks, we should be able, we should, we should feel confident from the word of God. The Bible said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. Changed how? I never read the answer. And you know what? You just got to die faithful and find out. But I do know the Bible said, we shall be seen as he is. And whatever he is, it's all right with me. I can't see myself saying, I don't like this. <laughs> you, you don't have to like it. Go to hell. <laughs> it's just that simple. No, I, I don't see. I don't see anybody being that crazy. But folks, if the word of God assures us, you don't have to worry about it. You're not, you're not abusing this temple by being a donor. Yeah, I know the scripture said we're supposed to take care of the temple, but being an organ donor is not abusing your temple. Amen. Folks said, well, y'all hold on to this one. 
Well, if it's your time to go, it's just your time to go. Oh, people say that. Man, man shouldn't be fooling around with medical stuff like that, trying to extend life and everything. Let me tell you something. If that was God's perspective, why do we have hospitals? Huh? Why do we have hospitals? Why do you go to the hospital? You get down sick. Why do you go to the hospital? You don't want to, what? You don't want to die. Well, if that's your view that man shouldn't be tempering, won't you just sit at home and die? Well, I ain't mean it like that. No, that's what you said. And that's the foolishness you're spreading. God makes a way. It is God who, who, who blesses man with the knowledge and the skills to be able to do these things. Let, let me share this. I had a brother. I was, what, I was 30 years old. He was 33. He died from uh, renal failure, kidney failure, and heart disease. He was 33 years old. And I can remember back then, as a, as a dialysis patient, you know what? It was just, they hooked you to the machine, and everybody just got the same thing. Didn't matter how healthy you were, how low your health was, whatever. The only thing they knew was, we're going to try to clean your blood and get you out of here. But man, technology now, woo, technology now, man, now you, you could go to the, the clinics and have your dialysis done, you could do it yourself at home, you could, you could still travel and take your stuff with you, or guess what, they could set up a place wherever it is you're going, if they have a clinic, you could go in there, Get your dollars done and go back to doing what you're doing. Man, technology has improved so much. Yeah. And then you got folks talking about something. Well, if it's just your time to die, if that's your view, next time you get sick, don't dial 911. <laughs> don't call me. Don't bother anybody. Just sit there and die. Amen. If that's your view. Because I just don't believe that's the right view to have. So I encourage you. I encourage you folks. There's something greater. You know, I don't care how much we give and what we give in this life. It'll never compare to what has already been given. Amen. You know, I, I, I think of Jesus. Jesus wasn't just an organ donor. He, he was a body giver. He donated. He laid down everything. 
He laid down everything. Now, what if, what if Jesus would have had the same attitude that about laying down his life for us to be forgiven of our sins as you have about being an organ donor? And folks, I, I, and I'm talking about after you die. I'm talking about after you die now. You don't feel anything. You don't know. How is it going to hurt you? Well, I don't want to cause my family no debt. If you donate the organ, it don't cost you anything. The recipient takes care of the cost. And sometimes even the hospital, the, the center itself does. It's not going to cost you. What if Jesus would have had the same attitude you had? We'd be in a world of hurt today, wouldn't we? But I believe we could do better. Let's educate ourselves. If I, if I, if I can't get you to uh, do anything else, I'm just asking you to educate yourself. Stop being, stop allowing this cloud of taboo to linger over your head and you being a follower of misinformation. We need some help. And I'm talking about we as black people. We need some help. We need more transplants, but we're the, less, we're the least to give. Now, who, who are you going to blame for that? You're going to blame, can I be straight blunt with you? You're going to blame the white man on that? You're going to blame the white man because we won't donate? You can't. But what you can do is educate yourself and be a blessing to somebody and give them life. That's my lesson for you this morning. I look forward one day, you know what? One day a change is coming. And buddy, no more dialysis. No more blood pressure medicine. No more arthritis and rheumatism and sinus infections and all this stuff. You know what? A change is coming, folks. A change is coming. And not only is a change coming where I'm going to take off corruptible and put on incorruption, incorruptible, I'm going to a heavenly home. Oh, man. Let me tell you, it just gets good and good. Not only does that body get better, but I got a mansion. I got a mansion waiting. All designed and built by Jesus himself. Man waiting, waiting for me. Waiting for me. Me. Not you. Me. No more troubles. No more pain. No more dying. Ain't going to be no funerals in heaven. Ain't going to be no bad news. Ain't going to be no emails put out saying so-and-so and past. And so, folks, ain't never life in heaven. Amen. Ain't never joy. Amen. Ain't going to be nothing but some rejoicing up there. 
And one day, folks, one day, I'm going to get my home. I'm going to get my home. Can you imagine? Your, your body is right. Your home is right. The, 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 the whole area where you're going to live is going to be right. Ain't going to be no crime. Ain't going to be nothing but praise. Praise to him that sits on the throne. Oh, man. I don't know about you, but believe it or not, I still get excited about that. But see, here's the thing, folks. You got to pass from this life to death to get to it. And here's the key. You got to die right to get upright. Let me say that again. You got to die right to get upright. What do you mean you got to die right? You got to die right by obeying the gospel. You got to be in Christ. Galatians 3, 26, 27. We're all the children of God by faith. But as many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Just calling his name ain't enough. You got to be baptized into Christ to be his. And you got to live faithful until death. But isn't it amazing? What we break the most is where the greatest joy begins. Man, for a Christian, the Bible said, Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. We have, let, we have allowed the world to put a damper on our glory. Man, it's something we should look forward to. The greatest thing about living begins when we close our eyes and when we, we've been faithful and serving the Lord. Amen. I'm saying today, if you haven't been baptized for the remission of your sin, you need to get it right today. You need to get it right today. Because you don't know what, you don't know what later on holds. I don't need to talk about tomorrow. You don't know what later on today holds. And if you can't die right, you can't get up right. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 1. For it is a righteous thing for God to render unto them what he's going to do. For Jesus himself shall descend from the clouds, flaming fire with his angels, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. And they shall be punished from the presence of the Lord forever. That's what the books say, folks. But if you die right, you can get up right. And you can hear, well done. Don't you want to hear it? Well, why don't you get it right today? Why don't you get it right? The water is ready. The baptizer is ready. We're just waiting on you. For us who are members of the church, who've been baptized, who are members, and you've been, you've been hitting and miss, you've been hitting and miss, we used to say back in the day, you've been faking the funk, huh? You better come on, get it right. You better come on, get it right. Because see, one day you ain't going to be able to fake it. You get caught out there, 
Jesus said, where I am, you can't come. Luke 13 and 3, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Those are the words of our Lord and Savior. What's our song, Adore? 593. 593. What is that? What is that? Oh, 593, folks. Beautiful song, beautiful song. All it needs is some repentant hearts so that heaven can rejoice. And, folks, you can rejoice and be a better person after you leave here today than you were when you arrived. Let us together stand and let us sing. It's a family.